Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Views, Zayaquiana, Bryce Diamond, same location, same room, same microphone. We united, man. This is a united front, a united force. The dynamic duo Jurassic Views is ready to move together toward Philly game five. We're still in the series. We're not done. We're far from done. We're talking about history. We're talking about destiny. My man, how are you feeling now down 3-1, which, which has been done? I told you the term I was using, what's up everybody, by the way, the term I was using to start off my week, uh, even down 3-0, was equanimity. I am at, There's a posture of calmness and peacefulness knowing that um, we have both the resources, we have the experience, we have the fire. We have, beyond just the competency, we have the mindset um, and the resilience to get through the hole that we find ourselves in. And the better question is, you know, I'm, I'm selfless this Sunday morning. The, the question more so is not on myself. How am I feeling? How's Glenn feeling? How is Glenn feeling? How is JoJo feeling? <laughs> right? Um, how's Daryl Morey feeling? So, um, Brez, the, the series was, is a should have been yeah. uh, tied up 2-2, two, two. Uh, but it wasn't, and we, we take our losses. We're not complaining no. or pointing the, uh, you know, when we when we com when we critique the rest, I think it's a legitimate claim, but we put the onus on ourselves on not yeah. on not on not on not, on not executing um, thus far in the series. And uh, but yeah, I'm really proud of the young guys who've put a solid effort um, in game four. And I think that uh, the learning continues, man, right? Our, 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 our goal was two-pronged, right? Development. That's right. And, uh, and parlay, man. We're just so parlaying exactly. right now. Um, speaking of peace and just letting it wash over us, uh, this morning we got to take ourselves out of the stress of the playoffs. And we got to have uh, one of our favorite basketball journalist, one of our favorite writers, period, uh, Katie Hendel on the pod. That uh, episode will be released sometime next week. Very excited about that. Um, how were you feeling during that, man? What, what was it like to, to be a fanboy and, and interview Katie Hendel? Uh, you know this. Uh, there was maybe um, a few seconds there where I was... There was the nerves that hit because, mm -hmm. more so not because I can't do this. It had more to do with, oh no no, this is this is on. This is not me just talking to her, right? And off the record, this is on the record, and uh, you know, such a, a humble but also incredibly insightful um, person and warm. So, uh, but I have to tell you, there was a few seconds there. I was like, uh, okay, let's go, Zion. You know, um, no, it was fun, and I'm looking forward to. 
um, listeners uh, tuning in and, and following her. If you're uh, if you haven't read any of her works uh, through Basketball Feelings, uh, you know I think it's one of the best out there in the new kind of new journalism era of basketball uh, writing. And um, yeah, man, what are your thoughts? Uh, when Kyle came back, the week that Kyle was coming back to Toronto for the first time, I yeah. think that was like three weeks ago, feels like a lifetime ago, uh, she wrote, uh, Katie Handel wrote an article in the Toronto Star, uh, Star uh, about Mary Halloway and the relationship Kyle's mom had with the team. Kyle had, obviously, uh, with the city of Toronto, with uh, Little Bear, Fred Van Vliet, and others. Um, she, she also wrote uh, an article that we talked about uh, way back in our first season, uh, Terrence Davis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that uh, situation, um, his, his assault uh, allegations, yeah. that, uh, an investigation. Um, and uh, we talked about it being required reading, uh, Katie Hendel's work, and, and yeah. still to this day, uh, I, I believe that. Um, and so if you haven't read those two articles I just referenced or articles about uh, the fashion sense and indulgence of PJ Tucker and her love for um, the Arizona Sun or her respect uh, for Jimmy Butler and his game and personality, I do that on Instagram. You can follow her on Basketball Feelings as well. Uh, it's a vibe, man. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, not just required reading, but, but a vibe for sure to yeah. follow what she uh, how she how she follows the league i'm already ready for uh, interview number two man oh gosh gosh um but uh nevertheless um we won't go into further details but we recommend uh tuning in and let's let us know what you think one of the things that she mentioned in the podcast um in our episode this morning uh, the recording this morning is Jimmy Butler's role on this Philadelphia 76ers team and you know what if Jimmy Butler was on the Philadelphia 76ers right now. Not James Harden. Yeah. If Jimmy Butler was there, there's no way I think about us coming back to Toronto for Game 6. Mm. Not even for a second. In fact, I think the series would have been swept yeah. already. Yeah. Um, going into Game 5 in Philadelphia, Wells Fargo Arena, are you nervous? Are you, are you thinking... They are going, Philly is going to win. What I know we don't want to talk about predictions too often, yeah. But what are your feelings going into that? To be quite honest, the, the one of the primary variables that I'm more concerned about for our guys is the Philly fans, right? Philadelphia playing in Philadelphia, we knew we knew that back in 2001 when our raps were playing, um, uh, the AI led. Uh, you know, Sixers, how tough it was to play in that arena. And so knowing that the Philly fans smell blood, one, two, also have an element of anxiety, knowing that Doc Rivers, who has um, lost series leads in the past, are is occupying their sideline. Um, that's probably my, my concern because, you know, hey, um, our guys are going to be focused. Are they going to follow the game plan regardless of how the refs are going to officiate or the, the crowd? And um, are you remaining focused, right, on your game plan and the adjust- necessary adjustments within the game that you need to do? This is what, game five? We've also met Philly three 
four times in the season. Bryce, right, I think right. I think we're quite familiar with their personnel, even with the additions of James Harden. So uh, I'm quite optimistic, man. I'm channeling my inner child. Uh, I think there's uh, your daughter called it out, saying, "Hey, we're gonna make history." N- didn't even wink. Didn't even hesitate to say, "We're down three zero. Okay, that means we're just gonna make history." And I think we need to take my. I had to take myself out of the, you know, the 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 um, the punditry of basketball. You know that can overemphasize and uh, the, the the data that's provided. Um, and and almost kind of cling to a uh, Rudy-like hope, if anyone knows that's a reference to a 90s movie. Yeah, good call, man. Fighting Irish. <laughs> uh, now, we're going to get to game four in a second and some of the details of that game. But before we do that, as I think about being down 3-0 and now down 3-1, okay, we lost three in a row to the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and I think about this team needing to win four games in a row. I think about, is this a more difficult challenge than having lost to Cleveland and needing to beat San Antonio, Phoenix, and Denver on a back-to-back? And then a Lakers and Clippers team in Staples Center. Is this more difficult than beating Miami in almost back-to-back games back in February? One was an overtime game and the other one came down to the final minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did we have players missing those games? Yes, we did. Uh, But... I think we've referenced this already, but I remember saying on the pod, something changed in us when we beat Miami in Miami in overtime. And I actually think four in a row, and now three more in a row, is is very tangible for this team. It is not out of reach. It's, it's not out... Obviously, on a historical perspective, this is a big deal. This is like a massive... Deal. It's never been done before in NBA history. But when I think just beating Philly four times in a row, three more times in a row, it actually doesn't seem to be that out of the question. What do you think? No, absolutely not. I think, you know, when we sometimes we have a tendency of overemphasizing the regular season and then underestimating what the regular season is supposed to do for teams. It's supposed to allow teams to experiment, to learn, to grow, develop, um, and to build some of the, especially build some of the intangibles. And I know it sounds a bit cliche, but you know, um, team building, chemistry, um, resilience. Right. So when I look at what we've experienced in the past year through the regular season um, onto now, uh, much of those kind of ingredients have prepared us for the postseason, specifically for a team that we have history with, like a Philadelphia 76ers. So all the, the like the, the 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 games that you've just referenced, absolutely, right? Um, and a specific game that I would just also uh, or stretch I would refer to is that West, the last West Coast uh, trip um, when we went back to back, Phil, uh, Phoenix and Denver, right? Top teams, uh, one. The you know uh, 
the NBA leading Phoenix Suns. Yes, they were without uh, CP3, um, but incredibly well coached by Monty Williams. And then Denver, high altitude. You're playing against the inevitable uh, MVP of the regular season, Jokic. And these young guys battled um, Bryce. And so... We didn't have OG in the first one. We, we didn't, didn't have Fred, Fred or the, OG in the, in second. the second one. So um, those provide the, the, you know, maybe not the Pascal Siakams, um, but it provides our, our, our role players like the Chris Boucher's, the Precious Achua's, the opportunities to, to think a little bit more under duress, to, to how to respond to different types of game plans. Um, and the lack of rest and how you prepare your body, how you prepare your mind. Um, so, I mean, have we won on the road in Wells Fargo before, Bryce? I believe we have. Ha- hell yeah. And have we had to battle against different types of, sh- uh, you know, the, we've played against Joel Embiid with James Harden. We've played Joel Embiid without James Harden. Um, so we're, we're fully prepared. There's no, there's nothing more that we can or should do other than showing up and obviously executing, um, against, um, the 76ers in a way in which, uh, doesn't, um, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way in which it, uh, corrects some of the ways we played in the first three games. That's important. Right, that we don't we know what to do against the zone moving forward because I know um, Glenn uh, Rivers is going to use that and uh, not just in his back pocket he's going to use that in his front pocket the front pocket's on his chest that's how pressing and uh, the and and, and mon- monumental this 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 next game is so um, be ready yeah be good I mean an even bigger question besides us. Uh, you know, have we won in Wells Fargo Arena? Have the Philadelphia 76ers lost in the playoffs in Wells Fargo Arena recently, in recent years? <laughs> Twice, in fact, to the Atlanta Hawks, yeah. who were down 3-1. They lost Game 5, a game they should have won without question. And then Game 7, in their building, against Trey Young and company, uh, now, we don't have a Trey Young. We don't have the ice tray on our team. We have a beat-up Fred Van Vliet. But uh, we have some ingredients that will make life very uncomfortable. Uh, and before we, we preview Game 5 uh, some more, yesterday's game, mm. Game 4, we got mm. to watch most of the second half together. Um, there was... Uh, a lot of moments of nerves, of worry, of some doubt for me. When were you m- most worrisome? When, when were things for the Raptors most concerning for you in the second half? And when did you have the most confidence in that second half? It was the third quarter because uh, in, from my understanding, game three, we also had that lull, offensive lull, yeah. and in the third where we didn't put points on the board and we were also finding it difficult to play uh, with with and beat on the bench. And that was inexcusable to a degree, right? And so uh, my concern was how we would perform in the third. Uh, though we lost, um, the point differential was two in that third quarter. Um, and 
so two things at least was show was promising is was our defense defensive execution and though i still think our offense looked lethargic predictable and one-dimensional all fingers point to um pascal siakam if you said if the bright spot was pascal pascal taking on that leadership mantle which I, I knew it was there, but it seemed absent in game three, and I was scratching my head, which many were, which I'm wondering if it was more so fatigue, right? Because there was a two-day rest period between game three and game four. And, uh, and Pascal, we have to understand, is taking on a lot. He's taking a lot of responsibilities defensively, not just in the one-on-one matchups, uh, but also, he's one of our best uh, and reliable help defenders. And we're asking him to take on the offensive responsibilities, Bryce. So, um, and playmaking duties, uh, which sometimes he can divide between Fred and uh, Scotty. Um, Scotty being down and then now Fred being down, I'm, I was really concerned. Um, but uh, Pascal showed why he's um, all-world, all, why he's third-team all-NBA. Um, and why they don't really have an answer for him. They're, 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 gam- they're throwing what, okay, let's see what, what, what we can do. Is Pascal going to have an off game? Um, and, that, again, I, and, I, and I think that's all they can do knowing um, there's no uh, one who can match up against him. And if they dare put uh, JoJo on him, uh, he, it, it's requiring him to, to extend his uh, energy level and I don't think he has a bandwidth right, right. Um, and so uh, but yeah man they're rolling the dice um, in what they can do but in our case we're not really rolling the dice we're actually going with um, our our adjustment which is even without Fred to say hey and this is Nick Nurse we're gonna go big and we're gonna put emphasis on uh, not just Pascal but I'm, I'm really excited to see OG and, and Gary get it going. Gary finished with 24 points, um, you know, eight for 20 from the field, three for 10 from the three-point line. We still are not shooting it well from the three-point line, and yet we still won that game four. So um, that's a long way of saying um, the, the, the bright spots, not just Pascal, but uh, both Gary and OG showing promise, and hopefully that leaks into – uh, game five on the road. At the end of game three in that fourth quarter, I remember commenting uh, to my partner as we were watching the game. I said, you know, Pascal doesn't look himself out there. Yeah. He, he's looking shaky. He, he's in his head. He, he's overthinking. And I thought, we need to move the ball away from him. Let him be a secondary, exactly, or tertiary player off ball. And let Gary, OG, or Fred operate things and and we didn't and i think we suffered for it us. however when fred got injured yesterday uh i want to say it was in the third quarter might have been early fourth yeah second quarter could have been second quarter. Yeah. my gosh you're right it, it was second quarter because he only played 15 minutes when he went off the court i thought to myself this actually might be a good thing for Pascal because although it puts more responsibility on him, it simplifies things. He doesn't have to overthink where Fred is, should Fred get the ball or not. 
they're, they're not trying to, you know, uh, have this kind of egalitarian offense. What they're trying to do when Pascal is there alone, you know who, what the hierarchy is. And you know what it is in the half court. And uh, I, Pascal rose to the occasion. Um, and and that, was, that was a massive moment for him, but I think for our team, because everyone was locked in and everyone on our team, forget about them, everyone knew what was coming and what their role was in response to what Pascal was doing. Whereas Fred and, and Pascal working together, sometimes you're not sure how you know, things are, are going to come your way. You're not sure how things are going to play out when the pick and roll doesn't work. Yeah. Or Freddie makes a last second decision because the defense is closed out on him. Or Pascal's, you know, popped out for a pick and pop. Well, Pascal, is he going to shoot it or is he going to pass it? There's all these question marks where yesterday things got simplified mm -hmm. and we looked a lot better in that mm. second half and fourth quarter. You know, I, I'm looking at uh, Joel Embiid's stat line and I'm trying to see what we did better. Um, I'm trying to analyze because he's still defensively because he went to the line nine times. He averages about just 12. About 12. Yeah. So he's three off from his season average and he still had the audacity to complain of the officiating, which it just boggles my mind. Uh, your boy, Harden, who also... Um, kind of manipulates the officiating, um, finished with 11 himself. So I'm wondering, like, what, what are we talking about here yeah. in terms of the officiating inequalities? Um, nevertheless, I think we've figured out our defensive scheme. Maxi didn't have an explosive game. The only guy that still seems to pour it um, offensively for them is, uh, is Harris. And I think that is strategic. Like, we would rather... Um, Harris tried to beat us, and and he and he's living up to it. But it weighs on you. This is the playoffs. So with Maxi, with his 30, thirty-eight point explosion game one, hasn't really uh, repeated that um, or anything close to it in games uh, three and four. Where I'm curious what game five looks like um, because we're also throwing different types of defensive lineups. Uh, with Embiid, Bryce, and that is with Nick Nurse not relying on Ken Birch. Ken Birch only played about five, six minutes yeah, yeah, last yeah. game, and I think he's not shown. He's, I think, on us, he's not giving us much offensively, and I think it doesn't cost us much to move, remove him from the rotation defensively. So might as well roll the dice with Precious Achua, or should I say uh, God Sham God, because this dude made me made me jump out of my seat and literally roll on, roll on the floor with that move in the second half. That in and out crossover. Well, Gerald, uh, Danny Green, you were sent back to, uh, where is he from, Rhode Island? Yeah, uh, yeah man. Uh, Long Island. The, Long Island, my bad. Uh, Shryland. Um and uh, but yeah, and, and and I don't just mention that as a hot take. No, didn't Precious and Chris Boucher, um, this um, and Thad Young are proving to provide this kind of the uh, center by committee uh, versatility that's throwing the 76ers off, but are also providing some much needed offensive firepower. 
You know, again, I, I hate to say this because it's almost blasphemous to say, and we certainly wouldn't say it if, if he was healthy, but Fred Van Vliet not being in that second half actually helped us defensively as well. We had more speed because Fred's mobility is, is still mm -hmm. limited, yeah. and we had more length. Yeah. And when you saw plays like the one OG had coming across the half court, intercepting uh, Embiid's pass like he was a Buffalo Bills quarterback in the early 90s, uh, and then being able to save it and throw it back to his teammate and start the break. I mean, those types of plays were happening all over the place. Boucher on closeouts when Maxi or uh, or uh, uh, Niang were trying to get to the rim. Um, I, I forgot his name because sometimes his, his game is is Harris? forgettable. But uh, Tobias Harris, Tobias, when yeah. he was he was getting cut off quick. That length of Boucher. Uh, the length of OG cutting across the court, the length of Scotty Barnes, it really messes up their half-court offense. You, they can switch, and the switching is just more natural, more easy. They don't have to send a third member of the team when Fred's down there. Um, so I, I think there's an energy, there's a, there's a length that we just can't get out of Fred. And because he's injured and can't do what he needs to do on offense or what he, we know him to be able to do, uh, grab the onions, uh, this, this is a team now that I think frustrates and makes things a lot more difficult for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Jack Armstrong mentioned this in the game, in post game that uh, Philly's defensive schemes are, are, are switching. They switch everything, um, which is fine if that's what the plan is. I'm sure in Game 5, Bryce, they are going to go more on zone, which is what they did in Game 2 and Game 3. Yeah, even um, some of Game 4. Yeah, and to, to really challenge us. Now, um, I'm curious, when you do play zone, um, you're not always in the right positions to uh, grab a defensive rebound. And, and I, I'm... I'm really looking forward to the Raptors going back to that marquee uh, or the trademark of that that really distinguished us during a regular season uh, to put points in the, on the board uh, is our offensive rebounding, right? And so can the precious Chris Boucher's and now Scotty um, being back, he had 11 rebounds yesterday, by the way, um, in limited minutes, about 26. Can they provide that pressure, right? When, particularly when they go zone, right? Um, so we'll wait and see. It's going to be an exciting, really, you know, um, tight game. You know, fingers crossed it, that that is the case. Um, I, we still don't know what the call is with with Fred. Okay. Um, do you sit him out? Do you sit him out? Do you wait? Do you wait it out in terms of if he feels healthier? If this, because if, if the season. Sorry, if the series stretches out, then right. you'd rather have him healthier, the tailor end of that series, rather than just forcing his return, knowing that you can win without Fred. I yeah. know it sounds kind yeah. of yeah. unorthodox and counterintuitive, yeah. but against at least this, um, against in this series, um, you can win without Fred. I'm not suggesting that with any other team right. that would right. be the case, but this yeah. I, I, matchup. I, I honestly think he needs game five off. Then he gets three more days 
in if we get it to game six, you know, which I, I'm pretty confident at. I'm not saying I'm not guaranteeing anything, but I'm pretty confident that we can get it to game six. And I think you bring him back primarily for the playmaker when Pascal sits. And I realize that what I'm saying sounds so blasphemous of our all-star, uh, of a guy who is our leader, but the, what, what Philly has done to us in the first three games specifically was beat us on the glass. They did not beat us on the glass in game four. And our length is not just frustrating Joel Embiid, it's frustrating James Harden, it's frustrating Tyrese Maxey. Mm -hmm. And what did we say about Fred's defense? Um, as great as his hands are, as great as his help defense is, as great as his on-ball defense, he's getting blown by because he doesn't yeah. have the mobility. No, he doesn't. And as much as we could use him in that zone to, to break the zone with shooting, if you've got Gary shooting the ball well and OG can step up, uh, maybe you're okay. Maybe you're okay. So I think you sit him in game five, see if you can steal it. Uh, and if you can get to game six, you play Fred for 20 to 25 minutes. That's it. And, and again, I realize what people will say. I am the biggest Fred disciple. Uh, Stan. Th this really? side of, uh, of, of Young Street. Okay. I'm the biggest Fred Stan. I love this guy. I'm all about him. You've talked about him being your spiritual guide, your, your, your spiritual counselor. Uh, we love him on the pod. Uh, we, we never questioned his contract. Um, Thought he should be paid more, but that's another yeah. story. And, and we've talked about him having a long-term uh, residence in Toronto as a coach as well. Um, so I'm already signing him, extending his contract after this season. That's how much I love him. But I think you're right. In this series, just like 2019, he was not the right guy. He was not the right fit. So I think he's a secondary guy playing like Steph, like he's coming off the bench, getting that that uh, playmaker coming off the bench. And, and oh my gosh! If, I mean, if if that's Nick Nurse's you know card to play to bring him off the bench, uh, Bryce, that provides a whole theory. I mean, that's like a you're bringing in um, a you know kind of like a closer from your bullpen right that, that that just provides a curveball no pun intended like literally um and, and it, it would throw off someone like a like a glenn rivers i i'm sure of that right he just, and it's just the more you can throw at glenn yeah right? yeah right um and but we'll see i mean I, one we hope that he's healthy and he's well um and, and has a speedy recovery and not, don't rush him back same goes for um from Barnes, he, 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 I'm told he rolled his ankle in the game and didn't return, um, but I think they're playing it safe nevertheless. Just quickly, um, uh, ESPN, Tim Bontemps, he wrote you know, kind of a post-game review, mentioned, overemphasizing on Joel Embiid's injury rather than even mentioning Scotty Barnes' injured ankle or, or Fred Van Vliet's. Uh, hip, flat, I mean, goodness, like, what are we talking about here? He's still, he's playing, right? Last time I checked, um, he's not on the injury list. There's no, so, and let's just be balanced with the reporting. Like, let's, they're not, he's not the only, I know he's a star. I know he's a MVP caliber player, but he's also just not the only player, um, or team that's going, uh, experiencing, uh, some mishaps. 
Um, and uh, I haven't, I, I rarely um, uh, channel uh, Leo Routens, but Leo said in the past, in the, in the, in the post game, hey man, old, being old school, like if you're injured, you're not playing. Otherwise, don't talk about it. Right, it's almost like you're 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 pandering to a particular crowd that sets a narrative out there. If you underachieve, then it's due to the injury. But if you if you overachieve, you've almost you've almost made yourself to be resilient in light of the injury. So don't don't we don't need that. We don't need you to over romanticize uh, the, you know the series or your current situ- uh, status. You're a great player in this league. You've gotten your flowers. Um, you just need your you and your team just need to perform. Yeah, right. I think if there's no excuses. One, yeah, I think if there was something I was most confident about in that second half yesterday, it's that I saw Joel Embiid very fatigued under five minutes to go in that fourth quarter. He looked like the guy I remember. Uh, when Marcus Saul guarded him, he looked like the guy in that Atlanta series when they had many different looks and much was being asked of him because Ben Simmons didn't want to shoot the ball. Uh, and I didn't see James Harden come to the rescue. I didn't see James Harden lead like a guy like Jimmy Butler would. And all I saw from Doc was things that he was was critical of, of, of Nick Nurse or some of our of our guys. Brett Brown uh, would stay in there. Brett Brown would challenge you. Uh, I, I find too often what, what gets Glenn in trouble is, is Glenn placates to the stars. That's why the Clippers blew it. Uh, that's why the Orlando Magic blew it with Dwight Howard. And now we've seen it with Philly last year. He placates to the stars. Challenge them. Sit them. Call them out. That's what our guy Nick Nurse does to his uh, stars. And you know what? I think there's more resiliency. If we get to a game six, if we can extend this series, if we can get them down going into the fourth in that game five, man, those demons are real. Those skeletons are no longer in the closet. They've come out to play. (laughs) Hey, man, um, you can pretend that you don't believe in ghosts. Uh, you can tell me you don't. Uh, you can tell me you're, you know, you you have a particular atheistic uh, posture. But nah, man. Let me just tell you right now, Philly fans, Glen Rivers, JoJo, they're real. Okay, um, you can be, live in denial, but they are. Um, uh, they're not just stuck in your past. They're they're in your present, man. And and you have to exercise your own demons no one's going to do it for you you don't outsource that job to some referee uh exorcists you know what i mean or the league or media you know to concoct some 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 narrative for us to have some form of sympathy for you you gotta go through uh the valley man the desert uh the muck the mud um without people holding your hand so, um, and if it's true leadership, you know, you would you would go out there and lead, and also take criticism. Say, I did not perform as well as I should have, right? Um, so anyway, I mean, all's fair in in in, in basketball. I know in love and basketball. In love and basketball, you know. Uh, but I'm uh, 
you know, I'm looking forward to, I'm not going to jump to game six, Bryce, but I am going to just stay focused on game five. Right. The onus is going to be on us, right? Regardless of what yeah. Philly throws at us, you know you're playing an MVP caliber player. He's going to get his calls. Uh, you need to remain disciplined, not just in terms of your defensive um, execution as it relates to your peripheral, the peripheral role players who you're going to expect to make, to, to miss shots, right? Um, but also your offensive execution. There cannot be a lull. There cannot be a lull. And so um, I think we've talked about it back and forth. Do you play a Malachi? Like a Malachi Flynn? Like do you throw him out there? Or do you still roll the dice with your kind of Thad Young, Pascal, Scotty Barnes, playmaker archetype? Uh, I, I personally think that we need a Malachi for two reasons to play. 10 to 15 minutes tomorrow. Number one, I think we need a ball, another ball handler um, to give Pascal three to five minutes on the bench in that first half. I think he needs uh, to not play more than 40, 41 minutes. Uh, yesterday he played 44, so I think that's one. Number two, if they go zone, we're gonna need another shooter, I think, especially if the zone is extended. Right, And we know that there's not a lot of imagination when there's crisis moments for Doc. And there could be tomorrow moments where Glenn feels, uh, you know, things a little bit tighter in his backside than he's used to uh, this, this series. And he's going to rest on, on his decisions. He's not going to make constant adjustments. He doesn't like to do that. Doc is a little adverse to change. Uh, Embiid is a little adverse to change. So I think that we are going to need to see at least 10 minutes for Malachi for, for both of those reasons. Playmaking to give Pascal rest, but also to extend, to give spacing in the zone. You know, I think... Philly can do something against this and match us in terms of size, right? They can also go big. They can, they can go JoJo... They can go Paul Reed at the four. They can um, have Harris at the three because Harris is Tobias is still a big forward, right? Yeah, at six yeah. eight, six nine, um, and then Hart, and then you go Harden and Danny Green. Yeah. They they can and, and sit Maxi out. Go big on big, and you, you're not compromising much defensively except for maybe Paul Reed, but. Um, um, but that's not Doc. That's not Glenn's uh, calling card, right? So um, yeah, I'm all for it, especially if we, they go zone to put Malachi in there. Um, Armani Brooks as a maybe, but I doubt that he has the you know experience and maybe the defensive um, you know showing the defensive potential that Nurse may you know want to gamble on. But yeah, you go Malachi. But my my my, you mentioned the minutes that. Pascal has been playing. My concern is, um, does he tire out in Game Five? And do you do you sit him to spell Joel Jojo? So if Joel is sitting, do you also sit Pascal so you can buy some time and you go heavy on Gary and OG being their primary uh, go-to guys on the offensive end? You know, for me, I think I want to increase the responsibility that I put on OG. Uh, he, he looked great in great game three. He struggled from the floor in game four. And, and what's great is that as much as we need him offensively to take us uh, over the hump, to, to get us to a real confident spot in this series and to get it close, um, 
OG's defense is good is good enough to to make sure that he's on the court. But I think you need to increase his responsibility uh, to remind him and the team that this guy is a stud and and he is very valuable to us. And he can do things Pascal can't even do. He's faster than Pascal. He's stronger when he's going to the hoop. I was okay that he got the offensive foul yesterday against James Harden. I thought it was a soft call. I thought Harden was flopping, but that's that's per usual. Um, but I, I think you've you've got to uh, put more minutes on him and put more responsibility on him. In respect to Gary, seems like the sickness is gone. He didn't shoot particularly well. But if you're going to have a three-pronged attack, he is that third guy for sure with Fred out of the lineup. And I think when Gary is hot and, and he can, he's allowed to create, uh, I think what it does is creates more spacing for sure, um, makes the defense have to uh, tense up and, and con contract when he's got the ball, if he's driving or you know, if he's uh, from downtown, they, they can't leave him as easy. Um, so they're, they're harnessed in more on him, just like we had to against Maxi. Mm. Uh, but I think our ceiling really comes down to how well OG and, and Gary can play. It's not just Pascal. Pascal's the floor for us, right? Yeah. Uh, he raised the floor yesterday. Yeah. Now it's time yeah. to, to put the onus on the other two guys and yeah. say, this is where we need your game yeah. if we're going to win this. Yeah. And Pascal, I, I'll, I'll still put, I'll still put money down yeah. for him to be our closer. But prior to that, you still need um, OG and Gary to offset um, um, the offense, especially that half court offense that can really go through um, some lethargic stretches. Um, but. Let's back to, to, to my attitude, to my focus, to start off the, the recording. I'm good, man. I'm confident. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not that 2019 feel when we had Kawhi so much as I, 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 tr I trust this, this group of dudes. Um, I think their resolve, their resilience... And they're all and the and the matchup. They're not intimidated at all by by uh, Embiid or Philly, whoever they um, Glenn throws at them. So um, game I think, seven, baby. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. We got a long way to go. Uh, we have a game five to pull out. But what I saw yesterday was a tell, much like in poker, when a guy uh, is bluffing you know what they do you know that pattern you know that that one thing you know that one little routine not everyone shows it but there was a tell in yesterday and and you know game three looked great when they buried that triple and went on to win in overtime but when they when you know there's there's little parts of of their game when when things aren't going well Mm. All of a sudden, the emphasis is on the thumb. You know, when, when you're making a hoop and one, there's a lot of floor gyrations, as we saw yesterday. There's a lot of confidence and swagger. But when the going gets rough, oh, these guys all of a sudden have a tell. And the tell is obvious. You don't have resiliency. You don't have 
the endurance that's required for a long series. Remember Mike Tyson? Yeah. Mike Tyson would not go in the first two or three rounds. If you got to a fourth round, Evander Holyfield, what's he doing? He's just biting ears. That is what's going to happen. Yesterday in the press conference. That's ladder. Yeah, that's that's, fine. That's that's ladder uh, Tyson. But even in that earlier part of his career, Buster Douglas, that means you you have to pass the fourth round. You pass him the fourth round. There's a level of fatigue. And especially if you're. Uh, uh, one thing that, you know, you know, the, the analogy with boxing is, you know, it's finite, but, but it is fatiguing. And if you take hits over a period of time, um, and you're not, and you don't, if you're not cerebral enough, not to say that, you know, Tyson is not a smart dude. I'm not saying that, you know, Jojo is not a smart dude or Glenn is not a smart dude. No, I'm saying that it's, there's a level of mental fatigue and a requirement that you remain focused and a high point of concentration to, 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 to maintain over the course of the game, particularly on how you end it. Um, and I'm still going to go with uh, Pascal being that guy to, to, to lead us in the closing. Um, game seven? Game seven? But it starts in game five, I know, on the road. Let's, I think we got this. Uh, last year, the Hawks and Sixers played a Game 7. The Sixers were not great in that Game 7. Uh, Clippers, Nuggets, Game 7, Western Conference Semifinal. The Clippers looked awful in the fourth quarter. If you can turn up the pressure, if you can get late stages of this game, the pressure is going to be too much. It wasn't Joel Embiid that helped them in Game 7 in Toronto in 2019. It was Jimmy Butler. Can we put the pressure on them in that fourth quarter tomorrow night? If we do, I I honestly think we're coming back to Toronto. I think we're better under pressure than they are. It's exciting, man. It's exciting that we're here. Uh, Are we going to make history? Is my daughter a prophet? I don't know. But if she becomes one, believe me, you will you will know, you will hear it. <laughs> um, and I mentioned this earlier. Again, our objective is twofold, right? This is about development right. and learning right. and gaining the ex- necessary experience at the at the height of playoff basketball. And at the end of the day, we also still want to win. Absolutely. And um, so, at the end of the day, we're going to come out victorious. We're going we good. Say, we good because. <laughs> You know, our short-term, our short-term goal is to kick ass, but our long-term goal is to build the necessary roster that's prepared to compete at the highest level. And it's through these types of series, um, these type of scenarios in which they're going to gain that experience. And, when I'm, and I'm saying that specifically to the guys who don't have this type of experience, press, the Gary Trent Juniors, the Precious Achua, they've never been to this point. So they're... I'm really, really, uh, really proud of how they're 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 navigating and learning day to you know game to game how to adjust and uh, how to defer their play, uh, teammates, but also how to take up the mantle as necessary. Um, so yeah, man, let's go, baby. Game five, Wells Fargo, Philly. We see you. I hope they're ready because we certainly are. Tim Baltop, like, come on, man, like, be be, you know, like. Have more nuance and substance in your reporting. I know you got game. Now show that in your writing. Goodness gracious. Dang. 
If you don't got sources, I can give you. I can give you folks who can tell you what's up with the Toronto Raptors yeah. organization. And if all you're gonna do is focus on Joel Embiid's injury and not tell the full story, we'll just start calling you Cathal Kelly. That's all <laughs> I can say. <laughs> all right, y'all. Uh, like I said before, do be aware of the interview episode with Katie Hendel that's coming up later in the week. We will catch you maybe on IG Live. Maybe I can convince Zaya to be on IG Live after the game tomorrow. We win game five IG Live straight up. I'm going to call it right now. You heard it. You are a witness to it. Uh, otherwise, we'll catch, you, we'll catch you on the other side. All right. Peace.